Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am happy you're here. Because we are in November, (laughs) I had to do a quick mental check, but yes, it's November now. It will be November when this comes out. Um, I wanted to jump into the holiday season because things have just been feeling so festive this year. This is my first American autumn season in a couple years, and I've just been totally reveling in and enjoying the cool crispness in the air and the colored leaves and, yes, the pumpkin spice lattes and looking forward to that cozy holiday season and having Thanksgiving and having Christmas, and I am just all about that this year. But I wanted to do a shout out to the holidays that I've experienced in other other countries and cultures and what you might experience if you're traveling when there is a celebration, because it's such an important part of any community, um, what they choose to celebrate, sort of the origins of what they celebrate, how they celebrate. It can be a really special look into that culture. And in fact, I was kind of bummed while I was on my road trip, the small town in Colorado where I live now. Um, oh my gosh, that sounds weird to say. <laughs> I live here now. I came back. Um, anyway, that's a whole other topic about <laughs> feelings about staying put in one place that I have, especially when that place is in America. Um, anyway, not staying put forever. We know that. I'll be back on the road at some point. But while I was on my Great American Road Trip, the town had their annual Harvest Festival, um, which I actually got to go to a few years ago, but I didn't get to go to it this year, and I was so bummed. And that's just the perfect quintessential example of little celebrations and festivals that different towns or countries can have. So interestingly, when I was looking into this topic, because I always like to speak from my own experience, but also do research to make sure that like, you know, see if there's anything that I missed or if other people's experiences align with mine or contrast to mine so I can make sure that you're getting a full and realistic idea of whatever we're talking about. So I was looking into this topic of celebrating different countries' um, holidays while you're living or while you're traveling abroad, and it was actually kind of hard to find. I could only find a couple people speaking about it. Most of the articles or blog posts or things like that were tips on how to celebrate your own holidays while you're living in another country, and that is totally a topic as well that I would love to talk about. You know, how do you maintain your own culture, your own festivals while you're in this other country? But that's not what we're talking about today. I really wanted to dive into celebrating unfamiliar things. So I just thought that was interesting that there's not a whole bunch of information or experiences out there. But like I said, getting to witness those Uh, holidays firsthand is a great way to learn more about the country that you're living in, you're traveling in, because they're so tightly woven into that culture that they belong to. So just a quick overview, some of the highlights of different holidays that I've experienced uh, while I was living or traveling in Taiwan. Um, A really unique one is Dragon Boat Festival. You may have heard of that before. It's also in China. Um, It actually originated in China. And it does have historical origins, but from my perspective now, it's mainly like an athletic festival. Um, There are dragon boat races, so these big, long boats decorated like dragons, and different groups can 
you know, put together teams. You might have a team from like a university or something like that. Um, and then there, it's a huge competition. You compete, you advance, public can go watch the events. So it really is that sort of, um, again, just like athletic event. There, there are different possible historic origins of this festival, but now that's mainly what it is. And it is like a public holiday, a day off from work, school, all of that. And there are also special foods that are eaten around that holiday. The main one is a rice dumpling called zongzi. Um, it's an atrocious, my, my tones are, I wasn't even trying with the tones there. Um, but it's a triangular rice dumpling and it usually has different fillings like egg yolk or like nuts or, uh, different things that can be inside it. And they're wrapped in leaves and like tied with string and you steam them and they are delicious. And so that's a huge part of it as well, eating those or making those, um, so that's really the the two main things from Dragon Boat Festival are the dumplings and the Dragon Boat races themselves. There's also Tomb Sweeping Festival, which is a um, like ancestor based festival where the families go to grave sites or tombs and just maintain them and make sure everything is clean and well kept. Um, there are also like altars or things left for that festival, so that's really a like a strongly cultural one, less of a Uh, party time festival, Uh, but that's also a public holiday. And then there is Children's Day. There's also like Teacher Day and things like that throughout um, Taiwanese, Chinese culture. Children's Day, they mainly just get candy and presents. Um, I remember teaching on Children's Day was hilarious because the kids would come from their you know, regular public schools, they would come to our English school and just like wired on candy because their school had given them so much candy that day. So that's really the main point of Children's Day. Uh, Also the big one, you know, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year. I should be calling it Lunar New Year, but interestingly, you know, when you hear it in English or see it written in English in Taiwan, it's usually called Chinese New Year. I think that might be starting to shift more in recent years, but I, from my experience, you do hear Chinese more than lunar, which is interesting, uh, especially given the dynamic between Taiwan and China. <laughs> um, but anyway, so growing up in the U.S. and hearing about like Chinese New Year and things like that, you think it's this huge celebration with fireworks and, you know, everything's colored red and things like that. And at least in Taiwan, it is a very family-oriented holiday. So it is the longest public holiday of the year. We usually have about a week off from school and work, but it's it's very family oriented. Everything shuts down. In fact, like there there are no public celebrations. Uh, most stores and restaurants and everything like that are fully shut for at least two days, but often the whole week as well. And everyone goes home to their family and you know has a big feast and things like that. So as a foreigner or you know someone else living there you get all excited and then realize there's actually nothing to do because everything is closed. And unless you have a Taiwanese friend or family connection that invites you to go celebrate with them, which if you do is very likely, that's that's a normal thing to happen. Um, But if you don't, then it's kind of a very low key holiday and you have to figure out like where you're going to get your food and what you're going to do because absolutely everything is closed. There's also, actually, this is coming up soon. In fact, I think this will have just passed when this episode releases. November 11th is Singles Day. 
it's like the opposite of Valentine's Day. It's a holiday for single people to celebrate. Can you guess why it's on November 11th? The 11th month of the, or sorry, <laughs> the 11th day of the 11th month, 1111 for single numbers. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. It's also, I think, like the largest spending holiday in the world. I think it might actually um, knock out Black Friday. It's right up there with Black Friday for sure. I think the Asian countries and the the extreme way that they celebrate with the spending might actually knock out Black Friday worldwide. Um, so it's a big shopping day, you know, treat yourself if you're single, that kind of thing. All the retailers give sales and, and everything like that. So I've never actually done anything for it. I've never known that it was coming up really, except maybe for seeing ads. Um, I don't really know how you celebrate other than buying stuff, but it is a big holiday in Asia. There's also Ghost Festival, which is the seventh month of the lunar calendar, and the idea there, from what I understand, is that the gates to the underworld are open during this month. And so ghosts and spirits of ancestors can come to earth and roam around. And so there are lots of superstitions related to this holiday. There are lots of things you're supposed to avoid, not do. Um, there's a lot of like incense being burnt and food and offerings being left burning the spirit money or the joss paper to keep the spirits from lingering around you. It's sort of this mix of like, we respect the spirits, but we really don't want them to be around, <laughs> you know, so you want to treat them respectfully, give them their offerings, but make sure that they don't stick and that they go back to their underworld at the end of the ghost month. Um, you're supposed to avoid swimming avoid whistling and going out after dark, among other things. You could understand like the going out after dark, maybe even the whistling, but the swimming moratorium is a little bit odd. So there are tons of other festivals and holidays in Taiwan, but moving on to an interesting Spanish one that I got to celebrate when I was living in or living on Mallorca is Matanza. It is a fall sort of harvest festival that is a pig slaughter. And this is not on a specific day, but every family does it, you know, whenever is convenient for them, basically. Um, the family I was living with when I was in Spain as an au pair celebrated in October, late October or early November, I think. I can't quite remember. And they did it almost completely traditionally. They told me that they no longer actually slaughter the pig themselves. They have it done somewhere else, but then the pig is brought to the farm and they um, process it. That's the right word. Yeah, process. I guess process it, although it's all done by hand and traditionally. Uh, they do everything right there on the farm all day long. It's a huge event. All the extended family gets together. Everyone knows their jobs. You know, they're um, butchering this pig. That's the word I was looking for, butchering, I think. Butchering this pig and they're making like five different kinds of sausage and um, all the different things that you can do with all the different parts of the pig. They absolutely use everything, everything right down to the tail, which I'll get, I'll get to the tail in a second. I actually want to do a full uh, episode about this holiday because it's fascinating, but uh, they, yeah, they eat everything, even the brain. I saw the brain sitting on a plate and um, I was very glad that it was not part of the meal that day because some of the things that they made that day, we did actually eat. There were some sausages that didn't need to be cured. They could just be cooked. And so we ate them that day. 
Um, luckily not the brain though. But the tail, the kids, because there's ton, all the cousins, all the kids are running around all day, they get the tail. And so they play kind of like a pin the, da- pin the tail on the unsuspecting relative game um, and try to get it attached to the back of people's clothes. <laughs> I was kind of disgusted by that, but it was entertaining. So that was a really, really cool thing to get to experience. Um, I would say unique, but it's probably not unique. I know I'm, I'm sure lots of countries and cultures have their own kind of harvest or festival like that. So there are probably similarities, but very, very different from anything that I had experienced before. It was really cool. And a totally different one from the Czech Republic is how they celebrate Easter. So, you know, Easter is... A holiday that's celebrated around the world that's not unique to the Czech Republic, but they have a special tradition uh, called Pomlaska. If I'm remembering that word, I it does stick in my memory because I talked about it a lot when I was there around this time because I was just fascinated. I wanted to know. Um, Pomlaska is, is not the name of the tradition, it's actually the name of the specific uh, whip. A whip uh, on Easter. <laughs> I'm I'm stumbling over how to get this out because it's so strange to me. So on Easter, the tradition is that the boys braid these whips, the pomlaska, out of, I think, willow. I want to say willow branches, but some kind of branches. They get to go around and find girls and um, hit the girls with the whip. And in this day and age, I mean, I still think it's atrocious that it continues at all, but of course it now it's just like a light tapping on the legs or something like that. So they're not actually hitting them, but it's still a very problematic tradition. Um, and then the girls tie, I believe they tie ribbons to the end of the pomlaska. Either way, somehow ribbons get tied to the end and then the girls also have to give the boys candy. So not only do the girls get hit, but they have to give away candy. Um, so that was a really hard tradition to learn about and to to talk about. And I Around that time, like I said, I asked all my students because I was teaching there. So I would ask like the kids, I would ask the adults, what is this festival? How do you celebrate it? And then especially for the adults, like what are your thoughts on it? The Czech Republic, you know, I was there years ago, so maybe things have started to change, but is typically a fairly heteronormative society with assigning like certain gender roles and traditions and things like that based on gender. Um... So people didn't really complain or speak out about it much, at least to me. The most that the girls would express was just like, you know, like eye rolls or, you know, this is ridiculous, but like, whatever, what are you going to do? So that is a really interesting one, but definitely one of the harder ones to wrap my head around, which I do want to talk about later. How do you, how do you react? What do you do when a traditional festival um, goes against your beliefs or is not something that you can really get behind. But wrapping up this overview are the Christmas markets in Vienna. Vienna, well, Europe as a whole, uh, renowned for their Christmas markets. And it actually took me years to experience them in Vienna. I The first time I went to Vienna for study abroad, I got there in January. So I was too late. And then I wasn't there for any other Christmas season for years after that, but I finally got to um, a few years ago, I think 2018, and it was delightful. It is just the most 
Christmassy, festive thing you could ever imagine. They're like these little tiny towns of wooden buildings set up. You know, they're just these these little sheds that they use, but they decorate them and make them all Christmassy. And they're selling ornaments and toys and food and drinks and mulled wine and candy and everything you could ever want. So if you ever have the chance to experience a Christmas market in and basically in any European country, but Vienna's are very, very special. I would highly recommend it. So when you are in another country for a holiday, whether you're living there or just traveling through, what should you expect? I would say that often holidays are more family-oriented than you might expect, uh, which is the case in you know the U.S. or probably whatever your home country is as well. Um, you go home for the holidays, so often there might not be as much public celebration as you might expect or you might want, um, and often things will be closed as well. So again, think Chinese New Year, but again, things are closed in the U.S. on on holidays as well, but they might be for longer than you might expect. I was very surprised that Chinese New Year shuts down Taiwan for a whole week. Um, that seems excessive, to be honest. No, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that they can stop for like a family holiday, but it was a little bit frustrating to me. Another thing to expect is that sometimes things will be inexplicable to you, which can really make you realize how culturally specific holidays can be. So unless you grew up with something, it might make absolutely no sense. And that can go back in many ways to what I talked about with the, you know, Czech Easter tradition or other things like the matanza, the pig slaughter. Um, so it can be a little fun exercise to try to turn that back on yourself. So for me, I would say like, what, like April Fool's Day or something? I mean, that's not a huge holiday, but try to think of what you grew up cele- celebrating that's totally normal and how that might appear to an outsider. And it could be very, very strange as well. And here are some tips for if you find yourself in another country on a holiday. Number one, my biggest tip 100% of the time is keep an open mind. You never know what it will be like. Um, Things like the pomlaska, the Czech tradition, or the pig slaughter could be a challenge to keep an open mind about, but I still think you should try to see it from that perspective. Again, I can't justify um, the tradition of hitting women in the Czech Republic, but I, I shouldn't say it like that. I shouldn't say they hit women in the Czech Republic, but I can't justify this Easter tradition of, um, you know, pitting boys and girls against each other, you know, with this whip. But I was still curious to hear about their perspectives and maybe like where it came from or how it originated. Um, I think it should be adopted for modern times. I think that part should be phased out. Maybe there's a way to still keep like the tradition of weaving the pomlaska. Maybe that's something that all children could do. We can take away the connotation of it being a whip or something like that. And yet I'm aware that I'm sitting here right now as someone who is not Czech dictating how their traditions should be updated. So that is not necessarily my place as well. So it's a really sticky situation um, as I've just sort of talked myself into that or through that. At the same time, I do think the point stands that you should keep an open mind. You should try to understand things as best as possible. And 
you never know what it will be like goes in the positive direction as well. Things can be far more fun or far more interesting than you might have expected. Number two, this goes along with number one, be respectful. You might not understand the tradition and things might not be acceptable to you, like I've been saying, but you're still a guest in their country. Um... It doesn't mean you can't critique it like I'm doing right now, but choose your time and your place. And even if something doesn't make sense to you, like, for example, like ghost month to me, like in Taiwan, that's not something that I buy into literally, but it is something that many people in the country, if not all, but many probably do accept as truth. And so that's something that we need to be respectful of. Number three, join in. Celebrate the festival like the locals do. You know, if you can celebrate with a local family or local friends, do that. Eat the traditional food from that uh, holiday or festival. Do whatever traditions are part of it. Um, Go to the parades. If it's like a dragon boat festival, join a dragon boat team. I know lots of friends who did that in Taiwan, and that's intense. Like, that is a super intense thing to do. They train hardcore for like months in advance. So maybe pick and choose what you want to join. But I think that's really, really cool. I really admired everyone who did that, everyone that I know. So join in, you know, do the dances, do all the things. And again, connected to that next point, celebrate with a local if you can. Like I said, in Taiwan, even though Chinese New Year is a family-oriented holiday, it's also very common to invite foreigner friends to celebrate with families. So I was lucky enough to do that a couple of times, and it was a really enriching experience. You know, I got to sit with this Taiwanese family and see what they were like sort of behind the scenes on their own, celebrating as a family. And also I got to try a lot more food than I ever would have before. It was like a 20-course meal. It was amazing. Um, And they were so welcoming and so kind and really eager to show me this traditional Taiwanese experience. So if you do get invited, if you do have those friendships, absolutely jump on it. Don't feel shy. Don't feel awkward. Um, Take advantage of it because it really is... I was going to say a once in a lifetime experience. It might not be once in a lifetime, but it's really special. So definitely go for it. This next one is a little bit more practical. Choose whether you want to travel or not. So often holidays mean that you have time off from work or school. So it's really tempting to use that time to travel internationally if you want to, if, you know, the the state of the world allows that, um, or just go somewhere else within the country, but you might miss local festivities. It might be worth like staying put um, and seeing what happens in your own town or your own city for that time. And then also, again, going back to my example of Taiwan, it might be nearly impossible to travel on certain holidays and festivals because things book up so quickly so far in advance. So I would never try to travel on Chinese New Year, for example, because it's impossible. It's impossible to get a train ticket. Um, So think about whether you want to stay put or be intentional in your traveling. And finally, this goes back to getting involved. Plan ahead. You know, if there's a festival that involves some uh, dancing or some activity, practice ahead of time. Make sure that you are prepared for whatever the event is going to throw at you. You know, learn whatever phrases or greetings might be associated with it. 
like I said, learn the dance or, or practice what you need to ahead of time so that you can really jump in with enthusiasm, with gusto, and get the most out of the experience and maybe come away with a new skill or something like that. So there are so many wonderful holidays and festivals all around the world. Honestly, just Google it. I mean, when I was researching for this episode, like I said, I found a lot of info on how to celebrate your own personal holidays when you're living in another country. But the other thing that came up a lot was the, you know, 12 coolest holidays around the world, 25 festivals you must experience in your lifetime. So again, listicles are what they are, but uh, do some research, find some cool festivals that you want to go experience and let me know what they're like. You can send any questions, comments, requests, thoughts to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. And as we head into this holiday season, we will have more international holiday topics coming at you. I can't wait to talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door. 